Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, it is well with our soul when we know the Lord Jesus as Savior. It is well with our soul. I pray that tonight all who are here in this room, in this building, those who are watching online can say it is well with my soul because Jesus has saved us and changed us and given us new life. It is well with our soul. We thank you for the promise of peace in our soul. We thank you for what we'll look at tonight as we think about what the Lord Jesus taught us about Christians being peacemakers. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for this uh, time in the middle of the week that we can come here, pause, reflect on your Word, examine our hearts, to evaluate our own relationship with you. We pray for all of the many Bible studies and groups meeting all across the campus, our students and our boys and girls. And we thank you for all of those ministries, a rich part of the history of this church. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to tell the next generation about the Lord Jesus and about the greatness of God. We pray, Lord, tonight for those who are who are in need and who are struggling, who have difficulties in their life of whatever kind. They have all kinds of afflictions. We pray for them. We pray for, we pray for, the, for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world and all of the places where it is not possible for them to gather freely and openly to read the Word of God and to speak and to pray and to worship. We pray for them tonight. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We pray, Lord, that tonight you would truly open our eyes. May we put aside our sin and receive the Word of God with gentleness and humility, not in arrogance, not in criticism. But may we humbly receive what you have to say to us from your Word tonight. We thank you for this time now in your Word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good evening. Good to see all of you who are here, uh, scattered from side to side. Here we are. And if you uh, did not pick up the notes, you might want to do that. Good to see if you're a guest with us. May the Lord bless you. We're glad to have you with us as we have so many things going on around. We're looking tonight. We're continuing to study the Beatitudes together. Matthew chapter 5 is where I'd like for you to turn tonight. And uh, Mr. Metcalf, are you up there? Can you bring this up just a little bit? Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, He went up on the mountain, and after He sat down, he dis His disciples came to Him. He opened His mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. <clears throat> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were 
before you. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've followed this pattern before. Tonight we focus as we, we learn from these words, as I've mentioned to you repeatedly, as the Lord opened these words, He's speaking to His disciples about what it looks like to be a Christian, the character of a Christian. And He gives us these very important characteristics that describe a Christian. You can evaluate your own personal life tonight, and you can evaluate and examine yourself to say, well, am I a Christian? Based on these words, we've seen already, poor in spirit. Only the poor in spirit go to heaven because the poor in spirit know that they are sinners and they confess their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. Poverty of spirit leads to a mourning, a spiritual mourning over our remaining sinfulness as we've talked about in detail. And the wonderful joy of that is as we mourn and as we have that uh, that mourning spiritually over the fact that we still have this sin nature we deal with. What do we have? While we're mourning, we experience the comfort of God, the blessed Holy Spirit, giving us His comfort. As we move along, we're poor in spirit. And the kingdom of heaven is ours. We're, we're mourning. But there is a gentleness in our lives. There is a gentleness, a grace of gentleness that comes to be in our life rather than a raging <clears throat> and, a, and an outward aggressiveness that now we're marked as being gentle like the Lord Jesus. We begin to take on the characteristics of the Lord Jesus and we're gentle. And we are, uh, as gentle ones, those who are blessed the most on the earth. And we, I, I can't go into detail about these. If you'd like to l listen to some of that before they're out on the uh, various places, we have it and you can listen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For righteousness. What is hungering and thirsting? <clears throat> it is a description of our basic desires. Our desires. What do you desire most in your life? Those who are followers of Jesus, those who are saved, desire just as desperately as they desire food, just as desperately as your body must have drink, they desire righteousness that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ and they'll be satisfied. And yet in our satisfaction, <clears throat> the great satisfaction that comes in being saved and experiencing the righteousness of Christ given to us, what do we want? We want more. This is that great uh, uh, contrast that we've described before. Full but yet wanting more. Full but wanting more. That is the description of the Christian life. Full, blessed by God, given the righteousness of Christ, but wanting more. And then we began to talk about merciful. The misery of the world demands mercy. And Christians are merciful because we have been shown mercy. And as I repeatedly said to you when we were talking about mercy, ministry, ministry sees misery and mercy leads us to ministry. That's why we do what we do in the name of Jesus in a broken, miserable world. And I don't have to stand here tonight and give you <clears throat> a list of current events about the sad misery of sin that is in the life of so many because we ourselves have experienced it in our own lives. Blessed are the merciful. God blesses the merciful for they 
shall receive mercy. Those who show mercy are given mercy. We go to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's why we pray. Then we came last week to this unbelievable statement, which just seems to be so high. These standards, these qualities, these characteristics of our Lord describing Christians, this seems to be beyond our reach. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we spent a lot of time talking last week about purity. Purity of heart. Purity that comes from being saved. The washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. The cleansing of our evil conscience through salvation and the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Uh, But now we come uh, to this wonderful and amazing statement. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, I want to read uh, an additional passage to you. I'd like for you to keep your place in Matthew 5. I'd like for you to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3 in your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'd like to read just some words here that will be complimentary and we'll remark about them tonight as we think about peace and peacemakers. Peace and peacemakers. We're not talking about diplomats. We're not talking about ambassadors. We're not talking about those who would compromise and say, well, let's just have peace at any cost. We're talking about peacemakers. Christians are peacemakers. Christians are peacemakers. And so we, we see here what uh, Peter reminds us of in uh, 1 Peter 3, 8. To sum up all, here's his summary as he's been talking about godly living and living as we should live. He says, to sum up all, uh, sum up, to sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose uh, that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life, to love and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. Here's the phrase. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The peacemaker seeks peace and pursues it. The peacemaker seeks peace and pursues it. So our focus tonight is around this wonderful truth that the peacemaker is called a son of God. What a great blessing to be called a child of God. So we have three ways that we'll look at this tonight. Number one, what is the source of peace and peacemaking? Number two, what are the qualities of peacemaking? And then finally, what is the blessedness of peacemaking? Well, we begin by thinking about this great truth that uh, peace and peacemaking are characteristics of the perfections of God and the Lord Jesus. God is the God of peace, and the Lord Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So I have some verses that I want us just to pause and meditate on and think about tonight before we run quickly to the idea of peacemaking. 
Let's think about the origin and the result of peace. Where does it come from? It comes from God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace, the God of peace Himself, sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is described uh, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, a God of comfort. The God of all comfort is also the God of peace. The God of peace. What a day and what an important, uh, what an important lesson for us to learn. Why these, these, uh, these uh, disciples uh, had been brought up in an age and a time of thinking that their Messiah would bring, their, bring the military army and overthrow the Romans. He even had in his ranks disciples who carried these ideas that there would be this great war and the Jews and the Messiah would overcome and overthrow Rome. What a mistaken idea it was for these disciples. They're shocked when they hear this. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why, we have to fix things. We, we have to... We have, to, we have to make just war. We have to go out and we have to take care of these things. We have to destroy and we have to, we have to fight in order to have peace. All of you have been to school like I have. We've read history after history. We have some in our church. We have one of our men who's even a West Point graduate. They study battles. All they do is study war. They study war. The world is nothing but a place of warfare, hostility, hatred, all driven by sin. But there is a God of peace. And there is, a Lord, and there is the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He is the God of peace. It is the thing that the world longs for but cannot have because of sin. It is that which is lost to our world. Isaiah 9, 6, we know this great prophecy for a child. We're about to come to celebrate the incarnation. At Christmas, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace, King of Peace. King of Peace. He is the King of Peace, the Lord Jesus. So tonight I want us to pause and think about the God of peace. The God of peace who has, who has sent the Lord Jesus into the world. And what did the angels sing? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. The only goodwill that comes is through peace and it's the peace of God. And that peace only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our message to a lost world. It's our repeated message. It's a message we never stop saying. We follow the Prince of Peace. We are those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, sent by God the Father, the God of all peace, the God of peace, so that we might experience peace in our lives and also see the peace of God come in others. Secondly, God makes peace with rebel sinners through Jesus Christ, the peacemaker. So before we talk about peacemakers, how is it that we become peacemakers when we are such rebels? 
<clears throat> why the sinful man or woman prides themselves in their rebellion. Why tonight you have all kinds of examples of exaggeration, of people exaggerating their sinfulness and wickedness by the way they live. They're proud of their sinfulness and they're proud of their rebellion. They, they reject God. They reject the truth of the Bible. They reject the law of God. But we did too. Sometimes it's good to remind all of us who sit in the church house that once upon a time we didn't sit in the church house. And we hated God and rebelled against Him and lived in our own ungodly ways in the face of God. We are rebel sinners by nature. We're born into this world saying me and mine. We're born into this world fighting and hating, divided. We are rebel sinners. That's why we come to know ourselves as poor in spirit and mourning over our remaining sinfulness. But praise God, something has happened. When we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we who were great rebels against God experienced, what do we all call it? Many of you in this room teach. We experienced the peace, the peace with God. There came to be an end to the warfare. There came to be an end to our fighting. <clears throat> As a result of being saved, we experienced peace with God. No longer are we adversaries. God resists the proud and He gives grace to the humble. We are now the ones who've been graced by God because we have submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, been saved, and we have experienced, praise God, peace with God. This is what every rebel sinner in the world needs. They need to experience peace with God, Romans 4, 5. But to the one who does not work but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Romans 5, 1, it's there in your outline. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way I have peace with God and the God of peace is through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. So I call you to these words in Colossians. I didn't put it on your outline. But Colossians, <clears throat> this is a very important uh, word for us. And I appreciate Brother Levi reading from Colossians earlier in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 19. Colossians 1, 19, for it was, now this is, this is Paul describing to the Colossians the incomparable glory of Jesus Christ. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says so many wonderful things, but I pick up in verse 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Jesus Christ. Please notice verse 20, what an incredible statement. And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, all being reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ and praise God through His blood, through His blood now, as He says, peace has been made with a holy God because of the Lord Jesus being our sacrifice for our sins. I want you to look at one other astounding statement that has to do <clears throat> with us being made, uh, that peace has been made with us. It's also... It also has in it 
This is in Ephesians chapter 2. It's a lengthy passage, but I want to read it to you. <clears throat> I'd like for you to mark it in your Bible because this shows how Jesus Christ has brought Jews and Gentiles together in one body. Now there's no longer ethnic conflict for those who are in Christ. It's over. It's done. There's peace. This is, the, this is, this is one of the magnificent glorious truths of the gospel and reconciliation. <clears throat> I don't have to spend time, I know who's in this room tonight, but you know the conflict, the hatred between Jew and Gentile that has existed from the, from the, the earliest of millennia. It is a reality and it was very real during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of the things that he was going through on the earth. But it nevertheless still divides the ethnic the ethnic. Issues of the world still divide the world. Battles are fought over ethnic issues. Jew-Gentile issues are still in conflict. Look at Israel and the rest of the Middle East. However, praise God for those who are saved. We read these glorious words. Ephesians 2.11 Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. He is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is <clears throat> the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that he himself might make the two into one new man, <clears throat> thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it, having put to death the enmity, enmity. Hatred is put to death by the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pause. How, this is John's point as we've been repeatedly working on in 1 John. How can someone say, I am saved and hate someone else? <clears throat> and he came and preached peace. The third time he's mentioned peace. To you who are far away and peace to those who are near. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus on his lips, he preached the gospel of peace with God and peace with one another through a relationship with him. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Praise God. That's all I can say. Praise God. That is the glorious work of the Prince of Peace. That is the glorious work of bringing peace with God and peace with one another through the cross of Jesus Christ. We lay all of our hatred, all of our weapons, 
all of our, all of our enmity toward one another, all of our divisions, all are laid down as we come together to become one people, one nation, one holy people before God. The peace of God. He preached peace and He pro provided peace through His cross. There's much to think about in the cross of Jesus related to the making of peace for those who believe in God. We go on further now. Jesus Christ gives the grace gift of peace to save sinners by the Holy Spirit. So what happens? <clears throat> now we read these astounding words again back in Matthew. <clears throat> Blessed are the peacemakers. God blesses the peacemakers. How do we become peacemakers? Those who have had peace with God receive the grace gift of peace. You can't generate it on your own. Well, I'm going to be peaceful. That lasts about 20 minutes. <clears throat> I'm, going to be, I'm going to be peaceful. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to battle. See, we, somewhere along the way, Christians got the idea that we're, we're to be fighters. <clears throat> we stand for the truth. We stand for the truth. But we live as poor in spirit, spiritual mourners, gentleness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, showing mercy, being pure-hearted, and making peace. I did not say compromise. <clears throat> making peace. We learn to be like Jesus Christ. This grace gift of peace is very important for all of us in this room and everyone listening to me to evaluate in your life. <clears throat> if you're not a peacemaker, basically the Lord says you're not saved, whatever you are. Being saved means you're a peacemaker in a world filled with hatred and warfare. This spills over into the church. Why, well, there have been books written on church fights. What in the world? John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. This is a grace gift. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. John 16, 33. The very last words as the Lord was finishing in the upper room with the disciples. These things I have spoken to you so that in me, in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. And what do we find? This amazing thing in Galatians 5.22 in the fruit of the Spirit, which is the evidence of the of of us being saved, as uh, John, uh, excuse me, Paul describes it here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and he goes on. What does Paul teach us in that long section in Romans chapter 8 about the, the work of the Holy Spirit and how we walk with Him and we walk in the Spirit, and not under condemnation? Well, the mind set on the Spirit, did you see it? Is life and peace. Life and peace. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul goes on to say uh, now as in his blessing to the Roman church, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we all know Philippians 4-7 as Paul's talking about prayer. As we pray. 
as we quit worrying about things and pray about everything, the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension guards our hearts and our minds. Peace that guards us. The peace of Jesus. Philippians 4.9 When we live as Christians, when we live as we've been taught the truth, the, thing that you, the, thing, the things you have heard and learned and received and seen in me, practice these and the God of peace will be with you. But then I point out to you James 3.17. This is James' way of describing the fruit of the Spirit in, in an unusual way. But he says, the wisdom from above, please notice the order. First, the wisdom that is from above is pure, then peaceable. What did our Lord say? Blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are the peacemakers. You see, the person, I didn't have this on your outline, but this is my summary point. The person who is at peace will make peace. The person who is at peace will make peace. We will speak to people the gospel. The only way to have peace is for people to hear the gospel, my dear friends. This is, our, this is the urgent need of the church today, that we share the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He was raised again on the third day. This is the gospel. Christ died for the ungodly while we were yet in our sins. So what are the qualities of peacemaking? Well, quickly, you can see them here. I've just given you a few. I could have elaborated some more. But believers practice peacemaking because we have the grace of peace in us. If I'm at peace with God, I, I make peace. It's a natural response of the new nature. It's what Levi read to us. The new man. We have two men living in us. We have a new nature and an old nature. We still have this issue. When we are walking with God, when we're right with God, and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, we live by the new nature. And so what did the Lord say? He said it in an unusual way later in Matthew 5, 25. It's right here. Make friends quickly with your opponents. This is make peace. Make peace with your opponents. Mark 9, 50. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself, have salt in yourselves, and be at peace with one another. Romans 12, 18, if possible. A lot of people emphasize the first part of this verse, which they're trying to maybe like find a way out. If possible, so far as it depends on you, is this for anybody tonight? Be at peace with all men. It didn't say be at peace with saved men. It said be at peace with all men. The follower of the Lord Jesus Christ seeks to be at peace with all, both the most godless, wicked people and the most righteous. Hebrews chapter 12, 14, pursue peace with all men. Oh, well, I'll be a compromiser. I did not say compromise with all. Pursue compromise. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. And the sanctification, that is holiness, without which no one sees the Lord. And then 1 Peter 3.11, as I read earlier. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. You see, the peacemaker says, 
I will seek peace from God and I will pursue peace with everyone else. Did you hear me? I will seek peace from God. I will live in the Holy Spirit. I will live in the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. And then I will make peace. Making peace doesn't mean you agree on things. Making peace means that there comes to be, as Peter was saying earlier in those words, being, being harmonious. Finding a point of saying, this is where I'm at. I'm sympathetic. I'm brotherly. I'm kind-hearted. I'm humble. When I start that way, I make peace. You know, Paul says in the last days, uh, many people will, will really struggle in the last days and they will be uh, irreconcilable. Some of us in this room were at a funeral not long ago and a fight broke out. I'm not exaggerating. Because the family was irreconcilable. They weren't going to reconcile. And they made certain that that was clear at the funeral house. People with their irreconcilable differences. And they call themselves Christians. What would the Lord say about that? You see, practicing peacemaking demonstrates our Christ-likeness because peacemakers are poor in spirit. They mourn. They're gentle. They desire righteousness. This is a description of being saved. It's not where you go in and pick the ones, well, boy, I really like, I really like being hungry and thirst for righteousness. Well, you can't pick one. You pick them all. You have them all or you have none of them. You see, peacemakers have this grace of peacemaking because we've been poor in spirit and confessed our sin. We've been saved. We mourn because of continuing sin. Oh, I don't want to get along with that person. Well, it's reminding me I got flesh in me that needs to be crucified. Gentleness. A desire for righteousness. Not for my way or for unrighteousness or other things. Mercifulness. Seeing the misery of those who war having pure hearts, and then we make peace. So what's the blessing? Well, we're called sons of God. We, we've been in it for so long, <clears throat> and I make no apologies for being in First John as long as we are. We're going to be there a little while longer, so see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, First John 3, that we should be called children of God. And such we are. I look around this room, and such we are. I've said it to you before. I'd rather be with the children of God. I'd rather be with God's people than anybody else. The children of God. We are the ones who've been adopted into the family of God. We are, so the peacemaker is an adopted child of God. Not only do we have peace with God, not only do we have the peace of Christ abiding in us by the Holy Spirit, but, the, but peacemakers are blessed with the grace of peace. And it never goes away. Just as the Holy Spirit continues to fill us and to bless us, even, you know, even though sometimes we grieve Him and quench Him when we confess our sin 
and we again experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, there we have this wonderful blessing of the peacemaker who loves more than, than ourselves. To make peace, you have to love others more than you love yourself. And the Lord Jesus shows us that because the peacemaker, the peacemaker, the ultimate peacemaker, is the Lord Jesus Christ who preached peace, who gave Himself so that we might have peace, so that we might be His peacemaking people in a world. I'm convinced this is why the Lord comes back after He's spoken of all of these things and immediately after the Beatitudes in this description of Christians, He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Yes, because... Those who are salty are poor in spirit. They mourn. They're gentle. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're merciful. Because God is always merciful to me. They're pure in heart and they're peacemakers. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. To the praise of the glory of His grace. Oh, my friends, the Lord is near to the door, and we pray, come Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for these blessed truths. They shock us, these simple, compact words of the Lord Jesus. Sermons and books and preaching has been done for the ages on these few words in this chapter. These eternal glorious words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now I take the mirror of the Word of God and I look at my own heart tonight. I examine myself to see if I am in the faith. I examine myself to see if I am truly saved. That I know Jesus Christ. And how I pray that you might help us as a church to be people who make peace because we share the gospel. Because we share with others the way to peace through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we exhibit peace, and we seek peace in all of our relationships, family, work, personal friendships, and those who hate us in the world. May Jesus be glorified through all that we do, and may the Word of God be implanted now in us, and may we think about it tonight, even as we finish this day. We thank You for Your Word, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And thank you for our time together. What a privilege it is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, may the Lord bless you. Good to see all of you. And uh, get your coats out. Get ready to scrape your ice off of your windows. and Put on your heavy coat. and Get ready for the snow. What can I say? Right? God bless you. Have a good week. Say hello to somebody on your way out if you don't know them. Look around. You might not know everybody here. Have a good week.